0: Back in about 2006, a new business philosophy came to light, um, a philosophy that was meant to increase productivity, and it was called Inbox Zero. Now, if you, if you didn't work in business in the, the late 2000s, early 2010s, or it, kids, you probably have no idea what this is at all, but if you worked in that industry during that time, then you probably knew about and maybe even tried to achieve in box zero but for those who don't know what it is here's a little history because you know back in 2005 2005 was a really big year because that was the year that the very first iphone was released and that introduced us to a a concept that we take for granted today we assume is normal today but it was revolutionary at the time And it was notification bubbles. Oops. Somebody's messing with my slides. It was notification bubbles. Because these notification bubbles, I I think at the time you couldn't turn them off. Maybe you can now, I'm not sure. But it was that that little dot at the corner of your icons that would tell you how many unread messages you had. And it would show up on your text messages, but more importantly, it would show up on your emails. And it was there to remind you that you had unfinished work. And so it was that people thought to, to get rid of that, to, to, to deal with that unfinished work by achieving inbox zero. And the whole idea was not just get through all your emails, but the idea was to organize your email inbox to prioritize certain emails so that things didn't slip through the cracks so that you could actually take care of and and focus on that which was important. And during that time period, I worked in office businesses and I sought to achieve inbox zero. And so I set up filters that would organize my emails into different folders or different categories. That was long before email just automatically did it for you. And, And I would I would make sure, the very first thing, as I came into work every day, I would turn on my computer and I would sit down and I would spend at least the first half hour just trying to go through my emails to address all the issues that had come up over the night, um, to to make to-do lists so that I was sure to get everything done. And I achieved inbox zero. My inbox was immaculate and organized. These days, these days, you don't want to look at my inbox. It is not nearly as, as neat. I think a word to describe my inbox would be chaotic. Now, I do much better with my church email. My personal email, there are some that I don't get to for like weeks. But my, my church email, I tend to do a much better job of, of keeping up on those things. But I'm still... I'm nowhere near reaching inbox zero. So what happened? Why is it something I was able to achieve way back when, but, but these days, I can't? Well, life happened. And more responsibilities were, were added onto my plates. And honestly, it all comes down to one simple word. Intentionality. Back in the day, I was very intentional about making sure I got through all of my emails that I was able to to sort them and, and address them as they came in. But as time went on and more responsibilities were given to me, I found it really hard. Because once you achieve inbox zero, it is really satisfying to get through all of those emails. But then before you know it, another one comes in. And then you have to address that one and, and another one comes in. And even once you've reached that point, there's that, there's that anxiety of when is the next one going to come? When is, when is my unfinished work going to catch up to me? And there was a stress and anxiety. While the whole idea of Inbox Zero was to alleviate that stress, to, to give you a, a sense of peace that you've accomplished everything, really what it ended up doing was made the stress even worse because you could never keep up with it. This stress and anxiety and the peace and rest that we desire, that's what we started talking about a couple weeks ago. As we looked in Matthew chapter 11, and Jesus' call to come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We talked about the New Year's resolutions that people have and how there is a a desire these days to have that rest. And we looked into what exactly Jesus was talking about. And and we decided that as Jesus was talking about rest, he wasn't talking about just ceasing work and and just sit there and relax your entire life. But instead, what he was talking about was a peace that goes beyond understanding, uh, a relief from the stress and anxiety. That doesn't mean that there won't be troubles in your life. But even in the midst of all of those trials, we can have a sense of peace. This was the promise given by Jesus. And as we looked last time, back to the prophet Jeremiah, God was promising that same thing. And as we look forward to the words of Paul in his letter to the church in Philippi, The same idea comes through once again in Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 6. He says don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all your requests to God in your prayers and petitions, along with giving thanks. Then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. You see, We've heard it in the Old Testament. We've heard it come from from Jesus' words. We've we've seen it repeated in the New Testament. God is offering us peace. God is offering us rest. And the reason is because we tend to lose it. Over and over again. While God gives it to us, we tend to to let it go. Our, Our tendency is to try to achieve peace on our own, and try to reach inbox zero, and what that brings is more stress and more anxiety. We want peace. I mean, that's why we seek after it. That's why we try to do all these things to organize our lives so that we can have that peace, but it doesn't satisfy because it's, it's not a lasting And so God says, if we want peace, what we need to do, rather than seek peace, we need to seek after him. And when we seek God, we will find peace. But not only that, notice what Paul said in verse 7. He said, then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. You see, this peace isn't just something that we're trying to achieve, a place that we're trying to get. This peace is something that that works for us as well. It says that this peace will will keep our minds safe in Christ. Now, other translations, they they worded a little different, and I think just like rest had a a deeper meaning, as we look into this, this word keep or protect or, or guard. It has a deeper meaning as well. We don't have little ones. Our youngest is five. But there was a time when we had toddlers galore in our house. And we have, I mean, in our house, we had a big staircase in the middle of the living room. And if you If you're a parent and you have toddlers, you know stairs are a great source of stress. And so we did what all parents do, and we stuck a baby gate at the top of the stairs. Now, that gate was protection. It helped to keep the babies from tumbling down the stairs. But I will tell you, it was not that strong. Like, there were times when I leaned on it, and I thought that thing was going over. It was not a very strong baby gate, but... It served its purpose because I could set that thing. I could close that baby gate and I didn't have to worry. I didn't have to worry that the kids were going to go tumbling down the stairs. It was it was a layer of protection. It would guard my children from harm. And when we think about protection or guarding this idea of a gate or a fence, I mean, that's the most basic form of protection it's a first line of defense if you will i mean you go out to farms around here and i mean especially now as the snow's coming down not literally right now don't panic but during this season i mean you'll put up snow fences and what's the purpose of a snow fence to block the snow to protect your home so it doesn't get buried in snow And farmers will put up fences around their crops to keep the animals out. Likewise, they'll put fences around their animals to keep those animals in, but also to keep predators out. We understand the protection that comes from a fence. It's a very simple, passive guard. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. Paul's not saying that the peace of God will act as a fence around you that will just kind of like keep the bad things out and keep the good things in. No, as Paul is is telling the church that the peace of God will, will protect or guard their hearts and minds, the Greek word that he's using gives more of an idea of keeping guard over a prisoner. Now, if you've seen movies or TV shows, maybe you have even a knowledge of our criminal justice system, then you know a little something about prisons. And you know that in a prison they have walls, they have fences, they have bars that are designed to keep people in. It's that first line of defense. But they also have correctional officers. They also have security guards. And those guards, their purpose, I mean, it's kind of in the name, is to guard those inmates, that facility. Their job is to keep unauthorized people from the outside coming in and keep unauthorized people from the inside going out. And in order to achieve that, they have many, they have many weapons in their arsenal. They have stun guns. They have real guns. They have a whole bunch of things designed to guard to hold the prisoners in and to keep out whoever's not authorized. And this is the idea that Paul is telling this church as he tells them that the peace of God will guard and protect your heart and your mind. That is the image that he is painting. That the peace of God is going to stand guard. Utilizing whatever means necessary to keep out what shouldn't be in and to keep in what shouldn't go in. Out. and thus he tells the church as he goes on in verse 8 from now on brothers and sisters if anything is excellent if anything is admirable focus your thoughts on these things all that is true all that is holy all that is just all that is pure all that is lovely and all that is worthy of praise practice these things whatever you learned received heard or saw in us The God of peace will be with you. Practice these things. All of these things. Dwell on these things. Focus on these things. As the peace of God guards you and protects you, keep your focus on these good things of God. As a parent, I had to teach my kids lots of different things. And so over the years, I have taught multiple children how to ride a bicycle. Some of them, some of them picked it up just like that. And I thought, man, I'm a really good teacher. They just seem to get it because I am so great at teaching that. and there are others that, oh my goodness, I wondered if there was something wrong with them because they just couldn't get it. I would, I would teach them everything, how to pedal, how to balance, you know, all the things that you need to do in order to ride a bike, and they just didn't seem to get it. This last time that I taught a child to ride a bike, I imparted a piece of wisdom. I didn't think it was that important. It seemed pretty obvious, and so I'd never told any kids this before, but I imparted this piece of wisdom, and it seemed to make all the difference. And that simple piece of wisdom was this. Look where you want to go. Because so many times, as kids are learning to ride their bike, they're focused on all these different things, on pedaling, on keeping the handlebars straight, on on all the different balancing and all those things. And so they'll get going down the road, and they'll start looking at their feet. And as soon as they start looking at their feet, then they begin to wobble, and they forget how to balance. And then they end up toppling over. Or if you've ever been here, they finally get going down and they're doing really well. And you tell them, watch out for that tree or watch out for that mailbox. And as soon as you tell them to watch out for that, they just seem to go right toward it. They don't want to go toward it, but they begin to focus on that tree or on that mailbox and they're just unexpectedly driven right toward it. And so the piece of advice, look where you want to go. Because where you are looking, that's where you're going to end up. And if you're looking at a tree, then you're going to end up at the tree. If you're looking down the street, you're going to end up down the street. If you're looking at your feet, well, then you're not going to go very far. But this is something that, again, it seemed, well, duh, I don't have to tell anybody this. It's something that we all seem to know, but we all seem to forget it. In fact, this is something that has been known for a long time. Back in Proverbs, as Solomon is imparting his wisdom to his children, he tells them the exact same thing, saying, focus your eyes straight ahead. Keep your gaze on what is in front of you. Watch your feet on the way and all your paths will be secured. Don't deviate a bit to the right or to the left. Turn your feet away from evil because you see that's our tendency we begin to to focus on other things well this is an evil thing so we need to stay away from it and what do you know we're focusing on that thing and then we begin to go right toward it our tendency is to get distracted and most of the time it's not even intentional we're minding our business we're going down the road maybe don't do this in your car, but I've noticed it myself. I start going down the road and I see something off to the side and if I'm not intentional, then I get distracted and I start going towards that. Our tendency is to get distracted, which is why things like inbox zero are so appealing to us. Because I just need to focus on getting all my emails done. I just need to focus on getting all my work done, and then I will accomplish peace. But we're focusing on work. And as we focus on work, where are we going to be driven toward? We're going to be driven toward more and more work. And it's not just work. It's whatever, whatever it is in our lives, it's really easy to get distracted these days. We have little devices in our pockets that seem to be geared towards distracting us. And so we dwell on them. We we focus on social media. We focus on world news and politics. We focus on all of these different things. And when that's our focus, that's where we're going to go. We let our distractions take us away from our intended destination. Thus, that's why Paul tells us to dwell on or to focus on that which is excellent, that which is admirable, that which is holy, and that which is pure, because where your focus is, is where your destination is. So where is your attention? Throughout the day, where is your attention? What are you focused on? I mean, like I said, many of us, our focus is on whatever is on our mobile devices. Whether it's, whether it's work emails, or social media, or just videos that we're trying to distract ourselves and we just continue to scroll and scroll and scroll. And all these things begin feeding into our minds and our focus gets taken away. Where is your time spent? I mean, if If it's on a phone, I mean, these days, a lot of phones will have like a digital wellness app, and it's tracking how much time you spend. You don't need to do it right now, but I would encourage you, it's sometimes buried down in the settings, look at it sometime, and it will tell you. You've spent three hours on YouTube. You've spent two hours on Facebook, and and you would be surprised at how much time is wasted focusing on all these other things that that aren't going to give us the peace that we desire but it's not just the mobile devices yes that's an easy gateway into all these things but it can be anything it can be checking your email it can be looking at your assets and trying to figure out how to manage your money you should manage your money that's a good thing But when it becomes your focus, then that's that's where you're going to go. That's what's going to drive you. And it can be money. It can be sex. It can be social media. The, The list is endless. I could go on forever talking about all the different things that serve as a distraction and pull us away from where our focus is. Because the truth is the same from generation to generation. Look where you want to go. If you're looking at money, that's where you're going to go. If you're looking at sex, that's where you're going to go. If, you are, if you're just, I want to keep up with what my friends are doing, and so I just want to, to see what they're up to, well, then your friends, that's going to be your focus. None of these things are necessarily bad, but when they become your focus, you're not going to achieve what God has called you to. You're not going to find the peace. You're not going to find the the, the purity, the, the holiness, the excellence, all these things. As God said, focus your eyes straight ahead. Keep your gaze on what's in front of you. Whatever is excellent, whatever is admirable, whatever is holy, whatever is pure, these are the things. These are the things that we must be dwelling upon. Because when we seek after God, then what we will find is his rest. What we will find is his peace. And his peace will protect us. His peace will stand guard around our hearts and around our minds so that the things that aren't authorized to come in won't come in and the things that aren't authorized to go out won't go out and God's peace will protect us. But our role in all this is to look where we want to go because your focus will be your destination. And so this morning... I want to set our focus where it needs to be. Through the Holy Sacrament of Communion, we're going to focus our hearts and our minds upon God. Focus our minds on what is excellent, what is admirable, what is holy, and what is pure. And we're going to dwell on these things. Because that's what we're doing when we partake in this Holy Sacrament. We are looking to God and what God has done for us. We are communing with the God of the universe, the one who took on human flesh, who lived the perfect life, and for our sake was bruised and beaten and was murdered and came back to life. All of that to pay the price that we couldn't pay. that he could have relationship with us that's what communion is and that is to be our focus not only now but as we leave this place as well now i know many different churches will do different things uh, when it comes to communion Um, so here's how it works in the church of the nazarene you don't have to take a special class you don't need to be a member of the church. You don't even have to reach a certain age. If you want to partake in this holy sacrament, there is only one requirement, and that is that you want to seek God. And if your heart's desire is to seek after God, then I, I welcome you, I encourage you to partake with us. In just a short while as the music plays I'll invite you to make your way down the center aisle to receive the bread and the juice and to take them back to your seats and once everyone has done that that we will all partake in this holy sacrament together but between now and then I want to encourage you to focus yourself upon God to set your heart right with him This isn't something to to just be taken casually. This is a commitment where we are receiving Christ in ourselves and we are giving ourselves to Him. So I would encourage you to count the cost, to examine your heart and examine your life and to, to make that decision to seek after God. pass on to you that which has been passed on to me that on the night when jesus was betrayed and arrested he first gathered together with his disciples and they shared a meal it was during that meal that jesus took the bread and when he'd given thanks to god he broke it and he gave that gave it to them saying this is my body do this in remembrance of The same fashion. After supper, Jesus took the cup, and he held it before them, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. You may partake of the cup. This world has so many distractions so many things that are are vying for our attention, trying to to pull us in, and many of them may be good things, but when they distract us from God, when they pull our attention away from God, they are are offering a shell of that which God offers, and as so many of us are seeking after peace and seeking after rest, it's good to remember to look where you want to go. Your focus is going to be your destination. This morning we have focused on God, but this is more than a one-time decision. It is a, a constant choice to not allow our attention to get distracted and to fall away, but, but to stay focused on God that we may continue to rest in His peace. That His peace would continue to guard and to protect our hearts and our minds as we focus. What is excellent, what is admirable, what is holy and pure, as we focus on God, then He will be our peace and He will be our rest. Heavenly Father, that is our prayer today that we would have the peace that surpasses understanding, even though trials and troubles may come our way. That we can have a peace and an assurance knowing that you are good and you are God that your peace will protect and guard us in ways that we cannot do ourselves so God help us to keep our mind focused on you to keep our attention dwelling on the things that are good and pure and holy, the things that are from you that we may rest in you And have the peace that our souls desire. Go with us this week. And may our focus be upon you, God. We pray this in Jesus' holy name.